0: Welcome to Generation Money the podcast where we interview professionals to help you learn about the real business world. Today we're joined by Swish Goswami. Swish, could you tell us a bit about yourself and your company?
1: Absolutely. So, I run a company in Toronto called TrueFan. We're a team of 25 people based in Toronto and we essentially help brands make smarter marketing decisions using data. So recently we acquired a company called Player GG from Kelowna, British Columbia and we've now become this all-encompassing platform that can help brands generate compliant first-party data on their customers and then also being able to segment and activate that data.
0: Okay, so let's just go straight into it. We'll talk about your company a bit, but first uh, we want to start in the beginning. What were some things in your childhood, teenage years that you think played a very important role in how you work now and your current profession?
1: Yeah, I think that the you know biggest biggest things for me have very much been around curiosity guiding me in terms of being able to go from one opportunity to another just based on my interests. Like, you know, if you've taken a look at it like in the last few years, I've gone through and you've gone from starting a company to working at a venture capital fund to working on a social media company that had a lot of big Instagram accounts to obviously now running TrueFan and while doing all of that, posting content on LinkedIn and speaking and writing a book. So my curiosity has definitely taken me multiple places, and I haven't been shy of following wherever I need to go based on my curiosity. I think the second thing is just a very strong support network, starting with my family and then also going to my close friends and then some of the advisors and investors that I have at Truefan that have been very, great and gracious and pushing me towards opportunities and being able to connect me to the right people and being able to really help us build the right team even at TrueFan.
0: for curiosity you like to jump around a bit but is there anything concrete that you say this is where i start off at or do you just like learn everything from scratch every time you want to go somewhere
1: Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think one is definitely curiosity in terms of, you know, learning things from scratch is something I'm not, you know, entirely against. Like we live in the world of the internet, obviously, where you can just YouTube something and get some foundational knowledge on whatever it is you're looking to do. So I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not afraid of definitely starting from scratch, but it's always good when I have people around me that have done something I want to do, whether it's raise money or sell a company or, you know move their life out to a whole different city it's always great to be able to talk to those people to get kind of first-hand advice from them on what worked and what didn't
0: would you say that there is a skill set you have that kind of helps everything along where some people might have this one skill most of their studying and the way they work is based off the idea that they can take this skill different places and it's works
2: everywhere
1: yeah, no, hundred percent, a hundred percent. I definitely, I definitely think that, you know, personally speaking, like when it comes to, specializing in something it's always great I think to focus in on one thing and for me like I, I, I focus in mainly on Truefan. fan like true fan is like my baby it's kind of the nucleus of all the opportunities that I have because you know if I wasn't doing well with true fan then I wouldn't be speaking on business and entrepreneurship I wouldn't be writing a book on youth entrepreneurship I wouldn't be putting out social media posts of running a company and hiring people and leading a company through a pandemic so at the heart of everything I do is true fan
2: and I need to make sure I do a good job there. Well, that seems really interesting. And now that we've talked about important things in your earlier years, I wanted to know, like, are there any certain events or people that you've met or experiences that you've had that, like, shaped what you currently do now?
1: Yeah, you know, I think one is definitely, you know, being able to go through and Look at some of my friends that have built a business. Like I have a friend in Toronto, Saad Siddiqui. He started his business bonsai after dropping out of first year of college. And I just remember being a second year student and going to meet him at at his office and asking him questions about what it's like to be a CEO, what it's like to start a company, what it's like to hire people, what it's like to have like the doubts and anxiety of dropping out of school and not knowing if you made the right decision. So I think just seeing his story was very inspiring to you know having the confidence to do something similar. And then I think, yeah, the second is, you know, I, at a very young age, I think I was very ambitious. I always wanted to do things differently. You know, I I, I danced, I played basketball, I played cricket, I, I did debate, I, you know, I went through and did karate. Like I just put myself in situations, even at a very young age where I learned very quickly what I liked and what I didn't like. And that was great because it gave me a good foundation over picking what career path I want to go down.
0: Would you say that, you think that liking something and being super passionate about it is more important than being pretty good at it, at least compared to your peers?
1: It, it, it's it's a hard comparison to make because I think normally people who really like doing something and are passionate about it will likely become better over time than people who aren't passionate about doing something, right? So imagine like you have two people that love chopping wood, so you have two people that are chopping wood one of them loves chopping wood every day can't wait to get up you know and chop wood and the other one doesn't it's so like it's just you know a matter of time that the person who loves chopping wood every single morning getting up and doing it is going to be better and is going to be more efficient and is going to be more skilled at it so i think that's what it really comes down to is, is number one i think you definitely should follow whatever it is you're passionate about i think the problem though that students are kind of given is that a lot of people including myself were passionate about many things right and it's very hard for us to boil it down to one thing that we're passionate about so i think that was a struggle for me is anytime i heard that advice of follow your passion i'm like which one you know like where do i go where do i start how do i qualify which one is even you know the the one that will allow me to make a livelihood and i think in today's world where so many things can be made a livelihood right like you could be a you can be a Twitch streamer now and you can be making millions of dollars streaming Call of Duty or playing Fortnite or whatever. It's very important, in my opinion, to always think about your career as not the next 10 years, but the next 50 to 60 to 70 years and think about, okay, if I pick this opportunity, what does that lead to? What sort of doors does that open? What sort of doors remain open? So for me, when I chose Truefan, the reason I liked it is because it doesn't shut down the opportunity for me to do anything around writing or do anything around filmmaking or direction, which is another big passion of mine and is something I want to go into, or even within politics, right? So it's not like I'm picking a career path, like going to med school, spending years of my life doing something that doesn't have anything to do with entertainment or politics. At least when I pick you know, entrepreneurship and I pick building a company like TrueFan that works with celebrities and influencers and brands, it's very aligned with potentially what I want to do later in life. So that's where I started off as I, I put down my passions, I guess, into a list, and then using those, I, I was able to kind of build an opportunity for myself where I was able to go after as many of them as possible while keeping the other doors open.
0: Oh, that sounds pretty cool. So when you started TruVent, did you just say, I wanted to do this and was going to learn the steps along the way? Or did you know like the structure behind it as in like the different maths that might be involved, the people that are buying and selling the data and are using the data for their businesses
1: i think it, it, it was very limited knowledge i had because again three years ago we had a very different idea of what yeah. true fan was than now right like three years ago we were a simple platform that helped any brand or influencer find who their top fans were that's all we wanted to do right like on instagram and twitter here are your top 100 fans and now we're this robust kind of big audience analytics solution That helps any brand and influencer not only find who their own top fans are, but they can look at their competitors' top fans. They can also understand how to reach their audience, not just through social media, but through email, through direct mail, through SMS, by getting first-party data on them. So we've become this bigger marketing solution, and I think that's not something that we thought of three years ago. It's more something that, again, as you start to create a company, you put out a first iteration of the product, you listen to customers, what they need, what they want. And then you go from there and start to iterate your product to become bigger and wider and more encompassing of what people need.
0: Yeah. So for people who don't really understand what exactly you're doing, is there any way to break it down? Say this is kind of the setup. If, you were, if they were one of your customers, how would you explain it to them? Uh, yeah. The process of social data and using it?
1: Yep. So it's a three-step process. Imagine that you're a brand. Let's say you're the NBA. You're the National Basketball Association. You have 50 million followers on Instagram. The biggest thing we do for you right off the bat is we help you generate first-party data on the 50 million followers that you have because the NBA is scared that Instagram might shut down or TikTok might shut down or the platform might change and not allow them to reach the 50 million people in the same way they were able to do so a year or two years ago. Because engagement rates on these platforms are falling and declining rapidly. So what they're able to do is through a giveaway model that is on our system, they're able to give some of their followers uh, rewards like, you know, a free LeBron James jersey or a signed uh, Giannis jersey or a courtside experience. And, you know, a lot of these followers, they want to win the prize, so they're going to enter their information in exchange for entering the giveaway. And that's how we start to generate first-party data for them in terms of emails and phone numbers, mailing address. The second aspect is then being able to take all the data you've collected and then being able to filter and sort it. So we built a really good segmentation tool that can allow you to filter and sort all the emails that you get to make sure that you're only targeting people that are based in a particular city that have between zero and a hundred thousand followers and let's say you know they're they're male right and you're able to go through and target people based on the features that they have on social media and being able to reach out to them in a very specific way And then the third aspect is activating that data. Right now, we don't do too much in terms of activation, but given the fact that we offer you emails and phone numbers, you can actually go and export that data and you can plug it into a MailChimp and send out 50,000 emails. You could put it into Twilio and send out a bunch of text messages. So the cool thing about our platform, again, is that we help you mainly generate compliant first-party data on your followers and then allow you to segment and filter that data to then find cohorts and tribes that you want to activate.
0: The main idea, I guess, in my understanding, at least, I want to make sure I'm getting this right, is you help them gather data from their followers and their fans and process it in a way that they'll be able to use it down the line.
1: Yep, absolutely. It's a great way of putting it.
2: Now that we've talked about like the structure and everything, the set process and everything you've been doing in your company, are there any certain challenges that hindered you from starting certain processes or like getting your company going or just in general in the middle?
1: I mean, a lot, you know, I wrote two articles about this. I'm gonna write the third one. Every year I write an article talking about our shortcomings or problems that we faced, etc. And so I, I think right off the bat, you know, in our first year we ran into issues like product delays and we had failed hires. We even had a lawsuit because we chose a name called Superfan before, and that was a trademark violation against another company. So we had, to, we had to change our name from Superfan to Truefan. And so we had these initial hurdles, right? And then in our second year, we had issues of scaling up, you know, five, you know, finding the right talent, making sure that everyone was aligned at the company, making sure everyone's incentivized. When the company wins as a whole, everyone should win. And building a model for that was something that we struggled with in our second year. And then this year i think you know we've had a lot of great success through our covid we've grown as a company we've hired more people we've made our second acquisition but i think we still have issues around operations and processes right like who talks to who if you have a problem with what right like we we have issues in our company right now even though we're a company of 25 people We have issues where people sometimes feel lost and and they don't know where to go or who to turn to for specific problems. So setting up those communication channels within the company is going to be probably the biggest priority for us going into 2021. Mm
0: -hmm. So with the different people in your company and communicating, especially during this really tough time, would you say that it's gotten worse over time has it gotten better how have you adapted to this situation in
1: communications wise i think communication has been better i think than where we started off i think we've done a good job of on slack even and like now that everyone's working remotely i think we've tried to do a good job of keeping everyone informed and you know being very consistent about that with like regular weekly updates on what happened across every department making sure that we have a morning stand up making sure that we have a Friday team call, making sure that we have a Wednesday executive call. I think we've done a good job of informing people of what's going on. I think it's more around communication has been great for what has happened, but it's not as great for where we're going. And that's what I'm trying to outline here is that I think we need to have more communication in terms of aligning people towards a very single vision. Like, here's where we want to go by the end of 2021. And then we work backwards and make sure that people can then set themselves up to be able to be a part of that.
0: As you're finding people for your team, and it's a very much a long-term prospect, is there any way that you filter out people or sort through the... There's many talented people out there. How do you figure out, hey, I like this person, I want to work with this person, or I want to hire that person because of this skill or this trait that they have? How do you through it all before we move on please don't forget to subscribe to generation money wherever you get your podcast if there's anything you would like us to talk about or for us to add to the podcast please let us know without further delay back to the podcast
1: Yeah, hiring is a tough thing. Like, It's hard to know from a 30-minute interview whether someone's going to be the exact person you want. I think the biggest thing you're looking for is number one, experience. Does someone have the right skills right off what they've already done or what they've already studied? Do they have the right skills that you feel like they're going to be able to get the job done right away? And then secondly, you want to look for people that are loyal. You want to look for people that are hardworking, that have a very clear way of putting their passions and their goals and, and putting that out. So that's where you, you have to have really clear interview questions. Like one of the interview questions I love is, you know, what is one truth you believe that you feel most people would disagree with you on? It's like the Peter Thiel question. And I re- the reason I like asking that is because you can immediately sense which people are honest and which people aren't. You know, some people are just going to give a cop-out answer. Like, I believe that poverty can be solved. And it's like, well, I think most people believe that. But like, you just gave me an answer because you just wanted to look good versus giving me an honest answer of something you believe that you think most people would disagree with you on and you know, making it a bit edgy, but end of the day, honest. And that's what I think I'm looking for in that question.
0: Yeah, so moving a bit further from your company, we want to learn about you too and your experiences. And first and foremost, when people want to start a business or going into a job, they always think about their day-to-day life. So we were wondering, what does your average workday look like? or do you not have an average workday and do you just have a couple of things that you have to get done throughout the week?
1: Yeah, I mean, I look, I have, I have average workdays in the sense of like, I, I obviously get up at a certain time. Normally our calls will start at about 10 a.m., 10.30 a.m. We, we have a lot of back-to-back calls, especially right now, because we are fundraising. So it's normally about six, seven hours of calls per day. And then the evening past about 6, 6.30, I like to plug out for a little bit, eat dinner, have my shower if I need to, go for a walk and then come back and try to really just get some work done from about eight o'clock to midnight really so that's kind of my schedule right now i think on an average day overall like we do try to like you know do work between 10 and 5 6 whatever it is and then get outside play basketball obviously right now it's hard to do that with covid but i find that obviously with the pandemic it's not much you really do other than work and so i have been working longer hours now than i have before have you
0: ever reached a point uh, while working where it's just after COVID-19 you have realized that, hey, this really is tough because I'm at home and just there's I'm doing more work than I should
1: be or I feel like there's more work kind of like that? Yeah, I mean, there's always been moments where I'm like, this is tough. You know, I think right now especially is a, is a good time. You know, like Both my co-founder and I have been kind of going at like 120 miles an hour For the last month and a half just with the acquisition we just closed and with fundraising, like, it's just been a lot of calls and a lot of conversations to keep, you know, a track off. But, yeah, at the end of the day, like, I I look around and I I see some people that are in worse situations than we are, right, that that don't maybe even have a home, that don't have a job, and, and I feel grateful for the situation that I'm in. So it's not to say that I don't complain when days are tough, but I think I try to keep that as much to myself and, and I don't like it affecting other people and affecting other people's energy.
2: Well, I wanted to jump back to the hiring Has like certain processes like that or others that you have to do in your day-to-day work schedule for your company gotten harder or has it become more convenient?
1: It's a good question. <laughs> you know, I think my day-to-day life right now, if you think about it, like, what i normally break down the role of a ceo as is this four things you got to set a vision and right now again like I, like I mentioned we're trying to get alignment on that vision i think between my co-founder and i were very aligned over where we want to go what we want to accomplish but the entire team largely might not be yet so that's a big goal by the end of the year is make sure everyone's aligned on that vision The second thing is we want to make sure that as a CEO, you're hiring the right people, you're managing your team, especially your executive team. And that means every single hire is still picked at the end of the day by me. Um, It might be vetted by someone else, but I'm the last decision maker on that. And in terms of managing the executive team, we have a weekly Wednesday exec call, and that's been very consistent and pretty productive. And then the third and fourth elements are selling. I haven't been doing too much selling because the fourth element is fundraising and that's been taking up a lot of my time. So for me, I think right now, fundraising is a main priority. We want to make sure that we can kind of finish this round, if you will, by the end of the year and then go into the new year and I'll be able to then focus specifically on continuing to look for alignment across our executive team, continuing to even sell the product myself and then also making sure that I'm managing the executive team to make sure that they're doing well and they don't need anything.
2: That sounds really good. I wanted to ask you as well for last few questions. If you have someone who wants to go into this, like just entrepreneurship in general or like a specific field that you're in, what are a few recommendations you have for students, like for social media or any other components that you've had to account for in your business?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing if you want to start a business is start off with an idea, plan it out for two or three weeks, and then try to get customer feedback right away. So if you have an idea for an app, I would go and build a non-functional wireframe on InVision, I-N-V-I-S-I-O-N. It's, it's a great way to just put out you know what the app will likely look like, and you can send it around to your parents, to your friends, to your teachers, get some early feedback, and then if you're building a service, obviously you can't go door knocking now, but you can certainly go on LinkedIn and you can get on zoom calls and you can ask people like, Hey, what do you think about this idea and build a PowerPoint presentation talking about the service and what it will provide. So the biggest thing is again, just, you know, make sure, make sure as much as you can, that you, that you, that you really try to go after an idea by first looking at customer feedback and not thinking too much about the idea itself. Because again, the biggest thing I want people to take away from the story of true fans so far is that the idea we had three years ago is not really the idea that we're working on now. You know, it's an evolution of that idea, but think about it. Most people, when they come up with a business idea, it is not the actual idea that they're going to eventually exit from or that they're eventually going to go public on. So just keep in mind that your idea will iterate. What you want to do right off the bat is you want to get feedback so that you know very clearly whether or not there is a problem here that is worth solving and then going from there.
0: Yeah. So what would be your encouragement for people who are trying to get over what I call like a fear curve where they just, hey, I have an idea. I've talked to some people. It sounds like it sounds good, but I'm just like scared to start, whether it's this social media thing that they might want to do, if they want to start a service, start, an app, start a app, or. a create a product what would be your uh recommendation for them
1: like i you know if you're afraid to get things done you have to ask yourself why right like for me when it came to even posting on social media i was always terrified because i always thought like what would people think what, what do people think around me and that's the number one fear i normally see among younger people is they're just scared of what their peers will think I, I think the biggest biggest thing is to know that if you're looking to solve a problem and it's a problem that is worth solving your friends should not see that as negative like your friends should not be making fun of you for it if you're actually trying to go after a problem and and again like i think the world we live in you know a lot of people this whole kind of thing of like just do what you want like don't care what other people think like screw the haters i think it's good to always be open to other people's opinions and to care about what they think. But again, qualify those opinions. Who is it coming from? Do I really care about that person? Does that person even have the experience of the qualifications to give me feedback? If they've never built a business and they're giving you feedback on how to build a business, you don't want to listen to that. So again, it's just worth noting that if you have this fear of starting a business because of what other people think, it's going to really hold you back. And I think you're going to regret it. And that's far worse than having people shit talk you or, or not care about you. Okay. well thanks for all the great
0: advice the the stories you've told us now is there any last words that you might want to say to people just before you go as a way to wrap it up and thank no, you for I, joining us
1: no I appreciate it thank you I, I think the biggest thing is just uh, if people want to reach out feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn or Instagram and I'm more than happy to chat with anyone if you have an early idea and you want to run through it or if you want to ask me a quick question about TrueFan, more than happy to chat And that's the end of the episode. Before you leave, if you're in high school
0: and are interested in business, economics, and or entrepreneurship, please check out the Junior Economic Club, also known as JEC, at junioreconomicclub.org. Tyler and I are both members and they organize amazing events where you can learn a lot and meet other like-minded students. If you're a current professional and would like to share your own experiences and tips, please contact us at at david.junioreconomicclub.org or tyler.junioreconomicclub.org. Both emails will be linked down in the description below. If you have any questions or comments about the podcast or a topic, please let us know. We would love to hear your thoughts. Anyhow, that's all for now. See you next time.